This is Mike Maniscalco. You're listening to the Tracking the Storm podcast. Thank you, Mike, so, so much. And welcome back to another episode of the Tracking the Storm podcast. My name is Brandon. I am your main co-host. I'm joined by my sidekick. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm one of the two very, very equal co-hosts of the Tracking the Storm podcast. My partner here, Matthew Soma. Welcome back, my friend. I hope your trip through Italy and France and wherever the hell else you went was as fulfilling as it seemed to be on Twitter. It was great. It was great. I won't lie. Um, Definitely. I think one of the best parts of the trip, and I kind of said this to you before we started recording, was that I saw none of the tweets by Canes fans during the games. It was wonderful. Um, Every Canes game happened after I went to bed. And I am just so thankful for that because, yeah, apparently there were some ugly wins, but I don't care. I'm feeling rested, relaxed. It was definitely a much needed vacation. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have found a way to start April 3 and 0. As we are recording right now, things aren't going real well, but, um, you know, that isn't. Well, we're not going to talk too much about that tonight's game, I don't think, just because the Canes haven't showed up so far. It's the first intermission as we speak. They're playing the Predators. They gave up a shorthanded goal on one of the worst power plays I've ever seen. And, like, I'm a Hurricanes fan. I've seen a lot of really, really bad power plays. That one was up there. It was abhorrent. Like, just, I mean... Awful. Um, gave up a shorthanded goal there. A couple minutes later, Freddie Anderson just stood there while Michael McCarron, I think it was Michael McCarron, threw a puck towards the net and it went off his skate in the net. So, so that happened. Anyway, like I said, don't really want to talk about that much. Really, really bad first period. They got 40 minutes left. I don't think they're going to score twice on UC Soros the way they're playing right now, but anything could happen. Whatever. Um, but we do have some interesting stuff to talk about, I think, tonight. I think we should hop into some stuff about Chicago just briefly, maybe not take up a whole lot of time. Um, I no, I think to- this, I think this should be the bulk of the pod. I'm, I won't lie. Cause it's, it, it is a big deal. Okay. Well, Hey, I'm cool with that too, man. I'm down to go with whatever me and Sterlo did that last week. We just said, whatever, we're just going to see where the night takes us. I'm cool with doing that. We'll but, uh, I'll have a drink. Then to see where it goes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that's fine with me. But yeah, man, let's talk some Chicago Wolves hockey because there, uh, there's definitely some some interesting developments happening down on the farm. Um, I've been banging the table. Actually, there's a, three players we really could talk about right now that have really come on strong lately. But I think the guy that we should definitely start off with is Vasily Ponomarev. Um, he had a three point night just like. Three point game, excuse me, just last night scored an overtime game winning goal on the Forsberg, which one of the prettiest moves you see when it actually is pulled off properly. Um, he got in that position by causing a turnover. The defenseman had the puck. He was the last man back and Panamara was able to strip him of the puck, go in, complete the Forsberg kind of with a defender, like not far from him, which makes it all the more impressive. Um, yeah. We've been talking. And it was on Yaroslav Askarov too. I mean, that's a very good goaltender. Wolves hung six on him. It's pretty damn impressive. 
Um, yeah, well, they were also up three to one, and the game ended up being, or they were up three nothing at one point, and ended up being a six five overtime win. So you know, obviously there were some struggles there, but Panamarev is coming off of back to back three point games now. You wouldn't really expect to see an Askarov versus Kochekov matchup finish six to five, right? <laughs> like, especially uh, the AHL. <laughs> Askarov, you know, you know, I, I've kind of thought about it this year a little bit. Askarov has been good, but not great. I would say he's allowed. Uh, he's got a two point seven one goals against and a nine eleven save percentage. Obviously, his record is really good, 25-14-5. But it really just seems like he has allowed a decent amount of goals, but Milwaukee has found a way to outscore the opposition. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not saying that Askarov is a bad goalie. I'm just saying, you know, like it's interesting how his season has gone. Ponomarov has been great. I mean... Taking a look at his stats, you know, he's got nine points in his last six games and has only been held scoreless in one of those games. Um, he's a player that does everything well. He he makes uh, a lot of really great plays defensively. He's actually coming on really well offensively. I think, you know, his first half of the season was just sort of okay. Um, and then his second half of the season, I mean, you're really starting to see the type of player that he is because he has been incredible. I mean, producing almost every night, getting some really great scoring chances. Um, he, he's not as much of a pain as like Jamison Reese is to play against, but like, He's a pain in a different way of where like he can shut you down offensively and then he can put up the points to um, beat you offensively too. Yeah, and we, we talked about this a little bit. You know, I've been banging the table for Reese to get caught up. I still think it should happen. I just think he will bring an edge that would go a long way in that lineup. I don't know. We won't know unless we see it. And I don't I don't well, know if we see it. But but we were talking well, about this a little bit. Well, can I mention can I mention that real quick? Sure the reason why we haven't called up any players because I think it's important. The reason why we haven't called up any prospects is because the wolves are two points out of a playoff spot. Like if they were in Grand Rapids case where they're like nine points out of a playoff spot. Yeah. I'm calling up a few prospects just to get, you know, some games in and hopefully to get, you know, a little, I guess, idea of where some of my better prospects are at, but the Wolves are in a playoff hunt, and if they make the playoffs, even if it's just like a couple extra games, that's a couple extra games of development for some of your top prospects, you know? And that can go a long way rather than just having a player stapled to the fourth line at the NHL level, you know? Like, as cool as it would be to see guys like Panamarev and Reese get called up, they're not going to do much on the fourth line. And you'd rather have them get that top that top six ice time while they can. I guess that's fair. Um, <clears throat> but still, I mean, if they do get to that point, are we getting to the point where maybe it's not going to be Reese that gets called up? Maybe it is Panamarev? Maybe. I, I know the Hurricanes really like 
Vasily Potomarov. I mean, that hasn't been a secret. I mean, they like Reese too, pretty clearly. I mean, they kept both players in the main training camp for quite a while. Even yeah. though the roster had been pretty much determined, they they really like those guys and let them, you know, try and work their way into the lineup. I, I think, you know, both of these players right now are looking like NHL prospects. I think Reese has almost penciled himself in for next year's fourth line. And Panamarov might be making a case to be on Jordan Stahl's wing next year. You know, or if the Hurricanes decide to do what I want them to do, somebody else's wing and give the third line some scorers, please. Yeah. But I think I think what I want, you know, I, I'm I'm hoping that both these players get called up at some point. But giving them something to like fight for and something to you know really play for, I think is going to bring out the best in these players. And I mean, you know, even though Jamison Reese has kind of slowed a little bit in terms of production, um, he's still having a very good year. And um, you know, forty-one points in sixty-five games after you know, or, or excuse me. 41 points in 59 games after only scoring 24 the previous year is impressive. I mean, you know, he's he's almost doubled his point totals from last year. Yeah. <clears throat> it's definitely been like kind of the breakout year we were really hoping to see from him um, offensively. You know, he, he definitely had those pesky vibes last year where he could be a little bit of an irritant and there was a lot of positives to take away despite the fact that he didn't score, but we talked about it a lot before the season started. We wanted to see him in what was always sure to be a bigger role, take a big step in that area of the game. And I think he has. So definitely been promising. Maybe it's not going to come till next year, but I am really excited to see what both of those guys can do. Um, beyond them, I definitely did want to talk about two other guys. I don't think we, I think we talked about TXL a little bit the last time you were here. Um, but the guy has just continued to put up points and produce ever since we did talk about him. He's got a six point six game point streak, if I'm not mistaken, with five goals and two assists in that span. And um, he's just looked like a really solid player, you know, uh, kind of yeah, starting a- to see how his confidence grow and starting to see what's made him such an exciting prospect to us at times in the past. We've talked a lot about him. He's got a lot of offensive ability um, and we're starting to see that a little bit more frequently. I did want to bring up just a little bit too is his countryman Anthony Honka. Another guy honk. <laughs> honk honk. He's been really good. Yeah. So so I'll start with Gexla because I think this is just a he's a really fascinating case of, you know, development not being linear. And and it's honestly kind of funny, right? Like, you know, it's it's always so strange watching certain players develop, and I mean Tiexla is light. He, he he's even when I saw him at Prospects Camp this past summer, dude looked tiny, and right off the bat I was like, oh man, this kid's gonna struggle in the AHL if he doesn't bulk up, and that's what happened. 
I think going back to Carpat was good for him, getting some extra playing time, maybe a little bit more consistent ice time as well. And, you know, he's come back and has had seven points in six games. Um, he's been held scoreless only in one game, and ironically enough, it was another win for Chicago. But um, Tiaxla scoring more for the hurricane or for the wolves, excuse me, is a, is a big deal. Um, when he's on his game, he's electrifying. And I think once he bulks up a little bit, he can do a lot more consistently. And with Honka, you know, he's, he's been a little streaky as of late. I think, um, let me make sure I have my stats correct. Um, actually he's done well on the Wolves five. The Wolves are on a five game winning streak currently. And Honka has five points over that stretch, but was actually held pointless in nine games before that. Um, and obviously Honka is one of those players where if he's not scoring or not producing offensively, he's not really doing much, you know? So obviously that coincided with a bit of a rough patch for the, uh, the Wolves where they lost four straight before this five game win streak. And then um, lost two of four games before that uh, losing streak as well. So it, it's definitely a uh, good sign having him be so productive lately, but you know, the more I watch him play, the more I'm not quite ready to see him in the NHL. Definitely got a lot to do, rough work to do in terms of both getting bigger and the defensive game. But still, the offense has definitely translated, and that's something that's exciting to see. Um, seems like there's a lot of guys that were just like, oh, just bulk up, get a little bit stronger. <laughs> yeah, the Canes, the Can- right now the Canes, uh, a lot of their prospects are those like Finns or, you know, a lot of the tinier guys that um, maybe had – the high upside, but maybe not the biggest or the highest floors. And, you know, a lot of it has to do with either their size or, you know, maybe their uh, lack of muscle. Yeah. So Brandon, I think the biggest news for the wolves is something we've kind of overshadowed actually by talking about some of their players. And the biggest news is that the wolves are actually looking to go independent next year, which is something that we haven't seen in like 25 years. Mm -hmm. Um, the AHL has not had a team that has been unaffiliated, that has just operated on their own. Chicago can do that. They've got a lot of money, and I'm sure they can. But that's going to affect the Hurricanes because they need to find a new affiliate now. And I guess the biggest questions are going to be, you know, is Carolina going to have to share an affiliate? Are they going to make a new affiliate? Um, where's that going to be? Uh, I've gotten so many mentions over the past day uh, since that uh, report from Friedman. Everybody's asking to put an affiliate in their city. <laughs> and I'm like, as cool as it would be, like I, I really don't know what's going to happen. Because this is this is unprecedented, and um, even Don Waddell is like, yeah, it was kind of sudden for us, but you know, we've we've got to find a solution. We're looking at our options, and that is all we know. All we know is that the Hurricanes 
are not renewing their affiliation with the Wolves next year. Bring back the Raleigh Ice Caps, baby. God, Dorton Arena is so awful. Do not <laughs> play at Dorton Arena. <laughs> oh, it, yeah. I mean, hell, I don't know. I don't know how much there really even is to say about this right now, just because we don't really know, <laughs> you know. Um, I mean, I guess the one thing I need to say about this is a lot of people have asked me, you know, how does this affect the Hurricanes prospects and guys like Kochetkov, Drury, et cetera? I guess the simple answer to say is it doesn't affect them. Like, it doesn't affect players contracted with Carolina. Those players are going to go wherever the Hurricanes are affiliated, you know? Yeah. The, (laughs) The players that it affects are ones that are tendered under contracts with Chicago of the AHL, but not Carolina. Right. And I mean, the hurricanes prospects will go wherever they tell them to go, you know, like it, it doesn't really make a difference to them. Maybe it will be somewhere closer. Like there's benefit to that. Like somewhere where they're not like, I mean, Chicago, a flight isn't that long from Chicago to Raleigh, but, it's a little ways, you know, Charlotte was a hell of a lot closer. That's like a 20 minute flight. <laughs> um, and Oh, by the way, I, that's one thing I will add to this. Um, yeah. They're not going back to Charlotte. <laughs> I, I, can we just squash that? I've, I've seen a lot of people say never should have left Charlotte. Just stay with Charlotte. That bridge is a little burned. I that think. bridge has been thoroughly burned. Um, <laughs> I think that opening up, a new affiliate in North Carolina would be awesome. Awesome. For the local game. I mean, we've seen hockey just explode here, right? Yeah. And I I truly think that minor league sports, minor league hockey, excuse me, could work in Raleigh or the triangle area. The issue with putting it, I'm just going to squash this now. Like the issue with putting a team, like I've seen people say Fayetteville or Winston Salem or Wilmington. The issue of putting teams there is not, not enough people care about hockey in those places. Yeah. Like, sure. You, you know, it's possible that they could grow into a market that cares about hockey. It's, it's entirely possible. I'm not trying to dump on your market. Trust me. This is business, Matt. Okay. This is the side of Matt that is using his degree. You can't put an affiliate there. You like, you need to have some sort of established market and, Sure, I, I'm sure the marksmen are doing well, but that is an SPHL level team. That's not even ECHL, the closest thing to the AHL, and even that is a very big gap. You know, like the the only realistic spaces in North Carolina right now for an AHL team would be Raleigh or Durham, or you know, like a suburb of Raleigh. I wouldn't even say Greensboro. I would be very hesitant to say Greensboro. I think both Greensboro 
Well, I was gonna say Charlotte, and I, and then right, that's Charlotte. what I started to say. I started to say that too, but I was like, well, no, that's where they're already at. Never mind. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like you know the other city I was gonna say is Charlotte, but Charlotte already has a team. Yeah, and again, like we said, that has been burnt. I'd even be he- the only reason I'm hesitant to say Greensboro is again that's not a market that has a like a huge hockey fan base, you know? Right. Like yeah, I went to school in Greensboro. There's hockey fans in Greensboro. But I would if I'm if I'm funding this, I'm worried that I can't get more than three, four thousand people in the barn every night. Yeah. You need at least seven or eight thousand to make an AHL franchise run smoothly. Yeah. All right. I mean, like I said, this is a developing story, as they say, and something that we'll talk more about as more details emerge. But for now, we don't really know that much. It's just obviously they're trying to go independent. It's going to be an unprecedented move. Really interesting to see how it works for them. Um, one thing I will add, <laughs> I, I do think the angle of they're trying to go independent so they can compete for championships, blah, 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 is pretty funny when literally last year in affiliation with the Hurricanes, Don Waddell said it. Our AHL team has won the Calder, uh, Calder Trophy or Calder Cup, excuse me, two years in a row. So I, I don't know. It, it's it's weird for a lot of reasons. I don't I don't know what exactly their reasoning behind it all is, but it'll be interesting to watch develop over the next little while. I remember when the Hurricanes and Wolves first announced their partnership. I remember like reading AHL media and basically, you know, the the thoughts of AHL media was that the reason why the Blues cut their partnership with um or no, the Knights cut their partnership with the Wolves was because the the Wolves management was difficult to work with. And that their GM did not like being told what to do by an NHL team. And I, I guess the sense is that these are teams, this is a team whose management and ownership group has wanted to be independent for a while now um they can say whatever they want about you know the hurricanes changing their philosophy this season or whatever that's just not true <laughs> you know i mean sure the team wasn't on paper the the team this year is nowhere near the level of talent that last year's team had but you also have to think that Two members of last, two key members of last year's team are now in the NHL. Drury's been a part-time NHL player this season, as has um, Kochak. You know, yeah. So I don't buy the the Hurricanes changed their mindset or whatever they, however they phrase it. I don't buy that. Uh, that's just bullshit to me. Yeah. The Canes, the it, it, injuries happen. The the Wolves had they not literally lost like half of their roster to injury for months at the start of the year, I think this team would be a playoff team, no doubt. And they're already almost a playoff team. I know, like they fought back right there, and they've had really bad injury luck all year long. I mean, Dezingle missed a ton of time. Um, McEachern missed a ton of time. Like a lot of guys that are key, you know, veteran kind of AHL players 
have missed a big chunk of time that would have made them a lot more competitive at that level. So, yeah, Dezingle, McEachern, uh, Kevin Fitzgerald, who's yep. their best shutdown defenseman, missed half half the year, if not more. Um, Noel Gundler has missed a good amount of time. Suzuki has missed a good amount of time. Um, like there was a while when Nate Sassis was their first line forward. <laughs> He's on a trial. Um, yeah, and he started the year on a tryout. Exactly. I just, you know, it's such a weird situation. The Hurricanes will find something to do with their affiliations. Yeah. This is weird. Like, the think pieces from Canadian media on, oh, is Dundon hard to work with, are probably going to come back just because of this. And <laughs> It's something to look forward to. No, of course. <laughs> All right, um, before we move on, Track of the Storm is a proud part of the Hockey Podcast Network. So we're going to take just a quick few minutes, and we are going to get a word from our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. From tea to green, the best place to go to get in on all the action happening on the links is DraftKings Sportsbook. This week, new customers will receive an odds boost to add plus 1,000 to any pre-tournament wager up to $10 on any golfer to win. So, for example, if you're a new customer and you see a golfer to win the tournament at plus 1,000 odds, DraftKings will boost that golfer to plus 2,000 odds for your shot at a bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odd boosts all tournament long, so be sure to check DraftKings Sportsbook every single day before the tournament starts to see what they have in store. There's a lot of intrigue around this year's Masters, man. We got the live players here. We got Brooks Kepka's up there tied for the leader. John Rahm, as always, towards the top. And how about that kid? Not to be confused with Panthers forward, Sam Bennett. How about Sam Bennett, the amateur that's come in, shot four under? bogey-free round, day one of the Masters. That kid's got balls of steel. Whoever you like, DraftKings is boosting your odds. Get over there, try them out, win some money. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and boost your odds during this week's Masters tournament. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes wherever you get our podcast for important details or go to DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook. Thanks, DraftKings. And we're back. And we're back. Why well, don't you tell me what has gone on in Hurricanes land while I've been gone? Yeah. Um, they're 3-0. <laughs> when did you leave exactly? I can't even remember. That's a great question. Did you see the loss to the Detroit? No. Okay. So we'll start there. <laughs> um, that was the first, I'm pretty sure that was the first game. I think you saw the Tampa Bay game where they just kind of got smacked, right? Possibly. God damn it, man. You got to help me out a little bit. Here. Buddy, when All I right. tell you I am so jet lagged, <laughs> right, I fine. barely know what day it is. Well, yeah, um, they, they wrapped up March with two pretty bad losses. Um, with the Tampa Bay game, you know what? Whatever. Fine. They didn't show up. It happens. Tampa Bay was probably a little pissed off at the last time they saw each other, and, you know, they smacked them. Um, the game after that, to wrap up March, it was not pretty. Uh, they didn't play very well, and then they gave up. It was tied 2-2, two to two, and they just totally quit. Like, it, it, you know, with 30 seconds left in the game, they completely quit and just got beat. Like, didn't even get a point, allowed basically a buzzer beater in, like, really, really ugly fashion. Um, but then 
they started off uh, April pretty well up until tonight. Anyway, uh, they're still losing two to nothing, and it's halfway through the game now. Um, but they beat the Canadians, shut them out three nothing. That was a pretty good game. I, I would say they played pretty well in that one. Uh, Paul Stasny, who is now out of the lineup. I, I don't get it, man. I don't get his usage at all. He had a goal and an assist in that game, and now, like, a couple of nights later, he's out of the lineup again. Um, they took care of the New York Islanders on home ice. That was a really good game for Freddie Anderson. Um, and then they beat Ottawa 3-2 to two in a very, very good game from Auntie Ranta. Um, And that is one of the bigger themes I think we should probably talk about, actually, tonight, is the goalie play. Because we've kind of reached the point where, to me, going forward into the postseason, I think the guy I would like to see out there is probably Antti Ranta. Um, yeah. But yeah, other uh, notable developments since you've been gone. Brady Shea, up to 18 goals on the season at this point. Just a monster year from the Canes blue liner. Uh, Jesperi Kokaniemi in the last game. Actually, he has a goal in back-to-back games before tonight's stinker against the Predators. Uh, He had a goal and an assist against the Senators, and he also scored against the Isles. He is up to 16 goals and 39 points on the season. Really, really solid player for the Hurricanes this year. Like We've kind of figured that out for a while now. Um, I thought it was interesting. We saw one of those, you know, player cards for him a couple of days ago, and he is now sur- his surplus value is now positive. He's actually worth more than that. What was it? Four point eight million dollar contract he's playing under. So suck it, Canadians fans. Um, but yeah, I, again, like what I've seen recently. Oh, oh, actually, one other player. Uh, Martin Natchez is now one one point away from 70. Me and you talked about this a little bit last night, actually. (laughs) And um, Seth Jarvis, I I did want to mention him, too. I think he's starting to play a little better. He's not been great, but I think he's playing a little better. Other than that, not that much to talk about. I, I, I just don't think they're playing great, but... I don't know, man. They're trying to figure out how to get into the playoffs. Like that's or or how to not how get to get to the playoffs, playoffs, but like how to get there and like have any hope. <laughs> like it's kind of what it feels like to me. Few things here. There, there's a lot to unpack. Um, one for me, Anderson is not the guy in the playoffs. You've gotten better goaltending from Auntie Ranta on a consistent basis this year. With Anderson, you've either gotten really great or really bad. Like zero in between, you know? Yeah. That's my concern. The other thing. So, Kane's stats are good friend Sterlo. Two nights ago had a tweet saying Kokaniemi has... 32 points in his last 46 games. Most of that has also come at even strength, by the way. Brandon, do you know what that pace is over the course of a full season? It's got to be like 65. 57. Okay. Too close. Sure. 57 points is like a second line center. Yeah. Especially as good defensively as Kokaniemi is. Yeah. And that is great. And and 
you're even still not getting in my opinion there's there's another level for Yasperi Kokaniemi to reach there is i i do think that Kokaniemi could have more points the concern that you're having is that he's now fifth on the team in scoring and the gap between him and Svechnikov who has missed 13 games this year is um 16 points which is a lot. I really do think that the Hurricanes are getting somewhere with Kokaniemi. Brady Shea is having a hell of a year, like you said. I mean, I, I really think that he is coming into his own. I believe this is a career year for him. And I, I mean, I know it is in terms of goals, points too, right? He needs one more point. Or no, three more. Just kidding. Sorry. I can't read. But... The rest of this team, man, the depth scoring has not been there. Or, like, you've got a bunch of guys who are in, like, the 30-point range. Like, right now you've got seven players that have 30 or more points, and then Pesci has 29. But you've only got you, – you you have four players that are all over 50 points and no players with 40. Like, that's – the depth scoring isn't there. And it, it's been a problem that I've had literally all year long – is that the Hurricanes, like, yes, the depth of this team is good, but the depth scoring is not there. And, you know, you're saying, like, you don't know why Paul Stasny's been a scratch, and Paul Stasny's a scratch because he's got 22 points in 70 games. He's not doing anything. Who is? Like, that's the thing. Like, nobody is right now, and he's at least done some things recently. So, I, I don't know, man. It's tough because you could go down the list on this team on guys that aren't contributing right now. It's pretty lengthy. I just, you know, the Canes are a team and this has been a problem for a while. And you could, you could make the argument that this wasn't going to be as much of a problem if Pacioretty was healthy this year. The Canes biggest problem has always been that they're a quality or a quantity over quality team in terms of shots. So they take a ton of shots, and you're like, wow, the Hurricanes scored, or the Hurricanes shot 45 times in this game. That's crazy. How did they only score three or four goals? Well, it's because probably half of those shots were unscreened shots from the point. They're out shooting the Predators right now 23 to 12, and they're losing two to nothing because, A, they have no finishing. Not that the Predators do, but like that's just how brutal this system is turning out to be when you're without guys like Sveshnikov and Pacioretty. Like, yeah, I mean, you're work. without two elite offensive players. You need at least a little bit of, you know, production from like some kind of somewhat star player. And they don't have that at all right now. Like they need a guy mm. that can like make good on some of those middling somewhat dangerous but not really chances and they don't have that threat even just the threat of having a player like that can open things up for other guys and they like you guard Aho, you make sure he doesn't beat you you guard natius you make sure he doesn't beat you if you do a decent job of keeping those guys off the score sheet you feel pretty good about your chances to beat the hurricanes right now like that's just Aho and and natius have nine points in their last 13 games though so it's not like they haven't been good They've been fine. I wasn't saying they haven't, but like you, you need more. You know what I mean? I don't know. I look at the I, I look down the lineup like Jarvis, like you said, he's playing better. 
Jarvis doesn't scare me. Kokaniemi's playing really well. I don't think he scares me in a playoff series. Like, would it surprise me if the Hurricanes lose round one in the playoffs? Not necessarily, because hell, they're missing two again, two elite players. Then it comes down to well, maybe you need to fill your team with better players offensively. You can't blame the season on losing Pacioretty because you didn't have him at the beginning of the season. And this is a conversation that I'm I'm kind of going to keep you know saved in the barrel for now. But at some point, this does kind of become on Waddell. It just does. Like I mean. He gave his best chance to win, and I mean, to be fair, Pacioretty did get hurt. That was something that he did not account for. But, like, that's the thing. Like, all right, that was the Hurricanes marquee edition. And you know why? It was a scrap heap edition, and you know why they got him for that cheap? Because of his injury history. So you took that risk. Like, the Knights probably would have tried to find a way to keep him if he's a healthy and as effective of a player as he can be. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. It's complicated. It's not easy to be an NHL GM, I'm sure. Well, even even I think I think when he came back, you know, you're not counting on him getting hurt again. <laughs> That's the issue is you're not counting on him tearing the same ACL less than 10 games into his return. Look, bottom line is you need to go out and get like an Elias Lindholm or some kind of spat splash player. That's me. That's what I'm saying. You need to make I, this summer. I think if they if they don't win the cup this year, which again, once you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. Everybody says that, and like, it's true. Anything can happen. It is. I think if you don't win the cup this year, you have to. Do something this offseason. Can't mortgage the future of this team, but you've got to make this team top to bottom as good as it can be. And I, bringing it back to the prospects, <laughs> having guys like Vasily Ponomarev and Jamison Reese and maybe even Jack Drury, who knows? Having those guys on entry-level deals, Jalen Chatfield on your third pair, there's another example right there. Having those guys on your roster, on those cheap deals, assuming they're good NHL players, means that you can have a little bit more roster space. Because even if you're, you know, the difference between paying Vasily Panamarov instead of Jesper Faust right now, like that's just a little over a million dollars. But that's a million dollars that can be used to bring in something. Right. Or if you don't use it, that's a million dollars that you could save up and have like three or four million at the deadline. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how the last couple of weeks. Well, shit, man. I don't do we even have a couple of weeks left? We have one week. We literally have a week left in the regular season. You have a week left in the regular season as we record this. The Canes last game is the thirteenth. All right. So there you go. You got a week left. The Devils are beating the Blue Jackets 8-1 to one right now. The Hurricanes are going to lose to the Predators tonight. Their lead is going to be one with four games to play, three for New Jersey. So they still have a game in hand. Even after tonight, they're going to have a lead in the playoff hunt. You need to yeah. – more than anything else, 
right now, that's what their focus needs to be on, winning the division. If you win the division, at least you give yourself something of a chance moving forward. And from there, like you said, getting playoffs, who knows? We'll see what happens. You know, our, our conversations are going to be interesting. <laughs> you know, like it, it's going to be dependent on what happens down the stretch here. But who knows? One of the reasons playoff hockey is so much fun is because you don't know what the hell is going to happen. Hopefully the Hurricanes are going to pull a run out of their ass and uh, fun will be had by all. Yeah, so, yeah, I just have two things to say. Um, the first is Kane's prospect Dom Fensori, his season came to an end today, which is very sad. Um, they they were in the uh, Frozen Four, and obviously, you know that's a it's a tough spot to go down, and you know you you've made it that close, and uh, all of a sudden you know it's over, but. I'd like to see the Canes sign Fensori. I've said that about a lot of players this offseason. And none of them have signed. So we'll see what happens. But yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to say, and this is this is very interesting. And I want your take on this. Okay. Okay. All right. So just a few minutes ago, the Windsor Spitfires got swept. They were the number one seed in the OHL and got swept by the Kitchener Rangers. On January 9th, they traded for Shane Wright. And they traded. Let me let me list all of do you want the picks that they that they traded first or the players? I I remember. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, so, go ahead and list it. So for context, the the OHL does not allow first-round picks to be moved like the other two junior leagues. So that's why you see some wacky uh, picks. (laughs) So they gave up a second, a third, two fourth-round picks, and a sixth-round pick, plus a conditional fifth and a conditional sixth-round pick. So in total, they gave up five definite draft picks and two possible draft picks and two players. One of them being an 18 year old player who will get drafted this year. Um, had 21 points in 32 games after being traded to a really bad team. He is going to play for the Kingston front next for two more seasons. Whereas Shane Wright is an NHL player next year, you know? Yeah. And then Kingston also, they got a the rights to a player named Gavin McCarthy. And McCarthy um, is another player who is draft eligible for this year. Um, played for Muskegon in the USHL. Was hurt for a good amount of the season, actually. But he is a defenseman that's ranked towards the tail end of the, really like the middle of the third round for this year's draft as well. So another player that's likely an NHL prospect. And one that, you know, if he ends, if he leaves his commitment to Boston University and goes to Kingston, that's another piece, you know? Yeah. So definitely getting one player and five picks, plus possibly getting a second player. Is that, like, I know it's a junior trade and, like, 
it's easier to rebuild a junior team, but like, is that, is that worth it? <laughs> Didn't she, I'm pretty sure I remember seeing Shane Wright had an absolutely ridiculous season, right? Let me look. Cause it's, it's possible that he did. So Shane Wright with Kingston or Shane Wright didn't play with Kingston. He had 37 points in 20 games. Yeah, he was almost two points a game. That's what I thought. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Like, you added an impact superstar level player that you thought gave your team the best chance to win. Doesn't always work out that way. Obviously, that is a prime example of why a lot of hes- general managers are hesitant to sell the farm at the deadline. Yes, it's junior hockey, but that's why you don't always see every like, oh, this team's so good they need to like make a press and go for it all. You could say it's a good example of why the Hurricanes haven't done it yet. You know, this is the kind of thing that probably gives Don Waddell and company pause when trying to go or trying to figure out what to do. You know what I mean? So, and the other thing about right, you know, like I said, almost two points a game in the regular season. Three points in four playoff games. <laughs> you never know, man. It, it, playoffs hockey is just such a crapshoot in any level. You know, that's not just a minor league thing. NHL's the same way. Sterlo brought this up on the podcast last week when you weren't here. You remember just a couple of years ago, the Lightning were this monster mega team defending cup champs. What happened in the first round against the Blue Jackets? Yeah. So there you go. It's very, it's, it's very weird. I just thought, it, I just think it's interesting. You know, you, you make this massive trade for a player. And obviously it's at the junior level, but it's still kind of funny. Anyways, folks, that's going to do it. I'm exhausted. I'm so jet lagged. It's six hour time difference. So right now it feels like it's about 4 a.m. for my body. So I'm going to go sleep. Um, But we appreciate you listening. It's going to be a fun end to the season one way or the other, folks. It's been a good year. Let's let's finish strong and uh, hopefully we'll be ready for playoffs. It's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan.